Thanks for tuning in to the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Carter. Today's guest is Cam Sue. Cam is truly an entrepreneur at heart. He's also a member of the CHCA community. Cam is the owner of the Panda Trading Company. Due to recent events with COVID-19, Cam quickly turned that company into Panda Fresh Foods, a home delivery service for fresh produce. Joining me on the phone today is Cam Sue. Uh, Cam, uh, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be on here. Now, you are involved in quite a few projects, and uh, a lot of these are under the umbrella of the Panda Trading Company. So I'm curious, could you just give us a brief overview of what it is that your company does? Of course. Uh, we started six years ago. Our focus is in the food distribution channel. So we supply restaurants in Dayton, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, Lexington, and Louisville. Uh, our niche is Asian, but within the Asian niche, we really focus on Thai restaurants, Vietnamese restaurants, um, Korean restaurants, and the high-end Chinese restaurants. And then over time, we have uh, branched out to own a restaurant, and now we've launched a home delivery service as well. And how long has that home delivery service been in operation? Uh, literally less than a month. Okay, and so I imagine this is this was because of the whole COVID-19 quarantine. Is that what kind of jump-started the home delivery piece? Correct. We had a access amount of inventory on our hand, so we had to get rid of it somehow, find a way to move it out of our in- inventory before it went into garbage, um, just due to decay going bad. So we kind of surveyed the market to see what was going on, you know, what, what, what our move should be so we can mitigate our losses. And we realized quickly that there was a huge shortage in the um, grocery stores for, for produce. So we put our heads together and we say, you know what, well, this is something we can probably, uh, you know, make into a win-win scenario for, for everybody. So what we did was uh, we said, okay, let's put a feeder out in the market and you know, see what the response is to move our produce you know, away from restaurants and into households. And the response was fantastic. Uh, it was so good that we said, all right, how do we actually make this into a feasible business model? Um, we said, well, we can't sell full cases like we do to restaurants. We have to break it down to smaller portions that's family-friendly. And once that roll out, literally within two, three days of starting the whole process, uh, you know, we, we, we said, all right, we need a website. So my business partner, Jason Fanta, who also has kids at DHDA, uh, built the website and we were up and running. One of the things that we've been talking about on this podcast with some of our guests is how, although this is, you know, this whole situation with the quarantine is really not an ideal situation for anybody. It has created really a wealth of opportunities for entrepreneurs who seize on these real world problems and come up with solutions. And so what I'm hearing from you is, you know, you had this excess of food that was being distributed to restaurants. And what do you do with it? Well, the problem is both that and the fact that consumers can't get fresh food. And so the solution, Panda Fresh Foods. And I was actually on your website yesterday, checking it out. How do how do the produce boxes work? Every week we run different assortments. We have a vegetable assorted box, the fruit box, and then a combination of uh, vegetables and uh, fruit. Um, then we also just added a oriental box because uh, we do have a huge um, Asian population that follow, follows what we do. So we created that just for that demographic. Uh, but each box usually has anywhere between seven to ten different 
items in there uh, to mix and match. We shop the market to figure out, you know, what the what what can we get that still has good quality um, at a good value that we can deliver to households at a you know at a price point that's less than thirty dollars per box. Because um, we just understand, like right now, a lot of people are out of work, and a lot of people they don't have the disposable income. So we were we were very conscious in the price point. Uh, of what we want to sell these boxes at. So depending on the mixtures, you know, the boxes can range anywhere between 20 to $30. And where where is the food coming from? How are you sourcing it? Because I saw on there it said farm fresh, and it looks like it's it's produce that hasn't been sitting on a shelf for a while. So what's that What's that sourcing look like? Uh, it used to be really easy when, when, when everything was normal, but now it's, uh, it's much more difficult. Um, there's just not as much supply in the market. And a lot of the cost has um, has gone up. So we source from California, Florida. Right now, you know, Canada is starting to get into some of their growing season, so we can pull from there. Um, even locally here in Ohio, we've been able to source a lot of different vegetables that's uh, seasonal for this time time of the year. But a lot of our tropical produce comes from uh, from Mexico, uh, Guatemala, uh, Honduras. So yeah, pretty much. All in that region, it's kind of our bread and butter uh, in terms of where we pull everything from, just because it's always in stock year-round. Um, the nice things for us is most of our produce, from the time it's picked, packed, shipped to us, um, we can get it in as early as like the next day if it's near our warehouse. A lot of times, even from Mexico, it can get from the farm to our uh, distribution centers and back out to us in anywhere between like four to seven days. So our produce, it's, you know, it's, it's as fresh as it's going to get unless you have your own garden in the backyard or you're one of the farmers. Sure. So we have the ability to keep our produce on hand for over 30 days without any quality issues. Um, and that's one of the biggest advantages that we have versus a grocery store where you know, it takes them a lot longer to move from farm to the distribution to the storefront. Exactly. Well, one of the questions I have for you is, as we navigate this this new landscape and what life looks like both during quarantine and after quarantine, there have been several news stories dedicated to how the entire food supply chain might be shifted. It might look different as people navigate away from grocery stores. We hear these stories about farmers who are unable to find an avenue for their produce, and they're actually tilling some of these things right back into the ground. And the I, the consumers are obviously hungry for this food. The grocery stores aren't exactly able to necessarily keep it in stock or have issues with that. What what kind of speculation would you place on the future of the food chain with regard to grocery stores, given the sort of climate that we live in? It's it's uncharted for everybody right now. Uh, we're still uncertain what the future holds. You know, I think the hard thing to comprehend is, you know, there's definitely a demand on the marketplace. But without the restaurant industry pushing out as much produce, it's you know, it's just it's harder to move the products uh, from you know, up the supply chain from the origin. So as farmers, that's really hard for them just because, all right, now I have all a, a field and fields of this certain product but the demand isn't there. What do I do with the supply? It's, um, we, we just don't know what's going to happen in a year. So we've also read that farmers haven't been able to put seeds down for the following uh, growing season with everything that's going on. Um, I, there's definitely you know, a, a chance that there's going to be scarcity um, on the produce side. But you know, at, at least for us, we have, we're in the position that we build long-term relationships with our suppliers. So we're usually higher up in the hierarchy in terms of getting our share of the produce. 
Um, so we're, we're fortunate and very, very blessed being the position that we, that we're in over the last six years to, uh, to have those relationships because we already start, uh, we have already start seeing it now where a lot of the suppliers have come out and been very upfront saying, you know, we, we just don't have the, uh, the supplies. Um, cause one, our raw material supplier have, you know, they shut down because of COVID-19 and nobody said, but because you guys have been so good to us over the last six years. And beyond that, with our partners uh, here in Cincinnati that uh, that uh, helped us source, um, that we we get first dibs. So um, it's at least for us, we we've done everything the right way, and we put ourselves in position to be successful going forward, and not not have to have as the same worries as other um, you know, new, newcomers in the market, or that haven't been able to maintain a quality relationship with their suppliers. Now, in addition to the online sourcing through Panda Fresh Foods, the Panda Trading Company also has a restaurant, uh, Dope Asian Street Fair. Could you tell us a little bit about that restaurant? Yeah, it started, we launched the concept a little over two years ago on Court Street across from the Kroger headquarters. Um, at that time, we knew Kroger was looking for a ramen and dumpling concept. So our whole objective was to create the concept, create the demand, and then uh, have Kroger, you know, approach Kroger with the concept and uh, hopefully they take us into one of their stores. Um, and my son, Remy, who goes to Arm Leader, um, had a friend and his dad worked uh, on the restaurant project. So when we started talking, he realized that we had interest in the new Kroger building um, on Court Street and Walnut. So he, he got the ball rolling for us and he got us in. And now, you know, it's, um, well, now we've been open for a little over six months. And we're, we're kind of still trying to figure out what the, you know, what, what, how, how to go about in the future with the COVID-19. But the uh, concept, yeah, we do ramen, we do dumplings, we do bao buns. So we take a lot of the, uh, we look at the Asian food thing. We try to, we try to do a menu that's different than, than what's already on the market. Uh, so it's just unique in its own way. It's not saturated and it, it's done very well for us. And we know that this relationship with Kroger, um, it's going to continue to evolve. Uh, but we're looking to be, um, yeah, we're looking to sign a contract for the Anderson location here soon for, to, to open next year. Fantastic. Well, I imagine if you were to look back at yourself in the early 2000s when you were graduating from uh, the University of Dayton, you had a double major in finance and entrepreneurship and probably at that point did not envision yourself eventually in the role that you currently are in. So could you tell us a little bit about what your career path has been to bring you to this point where your entrepreneurship skills have really taken off in this interesting direction? It, um, I graduated in 2003, and this right after 9-11. Uh, being in the finance field, it, uh, you know, it was very, very beneficial for me. It felt like my degree wasn't uh, getting me anywhere. So I went back into the food service industry where I was really comfortable. Um, I did really well in it. Made, made good money for, you know, for, for what it is. Um, I got recruited by Trio Bistro, um, and they brought me on to see what I could do. And I waited table for a couple months. They liked me a lot, moved me into the management department, um, did really well there. And then I got recruited by One Garden Hannons uh, that's locally operated out of Cincinnati, Ohio. I was with them for three years, uh, managed a holiday in their F&B side, and then I went to their Marriott property in Mason as a director of ops. After that, I got recruited by Jury in the Suites out of St. Louis. Um, I, got from, I got offered their GM position here in the, at their Sharonville location. 
um, did that for a few years and uh, the hours just got crazy. I was working 65, 75 hours a week. And, you know, I just got to a point where I just got, just got tired. You know, I was tired of making money for, uh, for everybody else and uh, not really seeing much more going to my bank account. So I took some time off and tried to uh, figure out what I wanted to do. And I thought, you know, well, I'll get away from the hospitality industry uh, altogether. And there was a position with Jungle Gyms at the time for an international purchasing position. So I applied for it, um, got the position, did that for two years, and I ended up opening, helped um, open their Eastgate location. Uh, but during that time, I also met a lot of restaurant owners, and I helped in the wholesale department as well. So it got to a point where a lot of our the people that I dealt with, they said, you know, we like you a lot. Uh, would you ever be interested in going out doing your own thing? Because there's just a lack of options here in Cincinnati for, uh, for us to buy from. Uh, we like you. We like what you do. We believe in you. So what do you think? And I literally thought about it for, oh, like 30 minutes. I said, why not? Let's, uh, let's go out and... And I'll see, see, uh, see if we can make this happen. Um, at the time, you know, I met, uh, Jason Fancett, who again has kids at CHDA. Um, I talked to him, threw him the idea, uh, laid everything out, told him, you know, this is what we need to uh, make this happen. Can, can you help with the financing side? And, you know, they were in a uh, really good position and they said, sure, let's do it. And that's, that's how it came to be. Um, you know, so Pam Trading Company was with CHDA friends. Uh, dope Asian street fair was a result of you know, someone we knew at DHDA as well. So yeah, it, you know, we 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 started and we say you know what you know I'm just tired of working for other people making them a ton of money. Let's just do things the way we know it's supposed to be done and act in the best interest of the company and more importantly our employees because ultimately our employees are the ones that's going to get us from zero dollars of revenue to our goal. And that's, that's been the case over the last six years. You know, I feel like we've done a really good job of taking care of our employees that they buy into our concept and us as a company with what we do. And they put their heart and soul into it and they've been able to take care of our clients. Um, and our clients in return uh, in the beginning, you know, they said, Hey, open it. We'll help you get business. There's 11 of us that uh, that's already committed. We know everybody else in the industry in Dayton, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, just, do your thing, show us you can do it, and you know the rest will take care of itself. We'll help you, and that's how that's how it all started, and that's where our success was from. Now we we took care of the quality and the service side, but you know at the end of the day, it's you know, it was our clients that uh, that gave us I would say ninety percent of our referral business uh, when we first started. You know, we went from eleven accounts to over forty accounts in the first year, and it just kept on growing and growing. And now uh, well, we're we're approaching almost two hundred accounts. Six years later, and it's, it's been it's been great. Well, it sounds like you're seeing a lot of exciting growth with that. And one question I do have, as as I listen to your story and you talk about being in the hospitality industry and how it was taking up so much of your time, up to seventy five hours a week. But even once the ball was rolling with the Panda Trading Company, you were pretty much single handedly handling all the aspects of the business, from accounting to HR, sales, marketing. I mean, all of these different pieces. So one question I have, perhaps a piece of advice you could give to those listening, how do you find balance when you're pursuing a dream in entrepreneurship, but you also want to have a life, uh, a family? What what do you do? What's your advice to those seeking that balance in their lives? It's, it's not easy. Um, even right now, I know we're still trying to find that balance. 
uh, for a while, it was a really good balance. They had a really good team. Uh, but now with everything that's going on, we have a lot more on our plates and we're still working you know, between 12 to 16 hour days right now because uh, we don't have a choice. Um, and you know, it's, it's important. You got to sit down with the family and just let them know what's going on. You know, this is, uh, this is probably what's going to happen. You just have to be very upfront. You know, I'm not going to be home as much. Um, here's the things I won't be able to do because business that the, uh, you know, taken care of right now is we're able to survive it. Um, and that's what people have to realize. Sometimes you have to make the hard sacrifices to, you know, to, to stay afloat and to, to get ahead. And it would have been very easy for us, um, like even right now, is to lay off half of our staff and we would have been okay. And, you know, I wouldn't have to work the hours that I'm working. I could have easily worked anywhere between eight to 10 hours a day. And, you know, it's, it's a good life. Um, but you also have to understand that. It's not just about the family. It's also about your employees that got you from the beginning to where you are now. And there's also that obligation to them as well. And that's something that our, our family has been able to comprehend, which has helped a lot. Um, and the big thing is, you know, you got to have a wife. You know, you got to have kids that understand what's going on that's supportive of it. If they don't understand it, they're not supportive. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to get, get in a situation where you might be in a divorce and you have no relationship with your kids. But when you do have those moments when you can kind of step away from everything, make the most of the time and spend that time with them. You know, make, make quality time. Um, in the beginning, it's, yeah, I, mean, I did everything, but, you know, I, was, I knew that I would rather work 60 to 70 hours a week for myself and build something going for the future than doing that for somebody else because I knew my time's actually going to pay off for myself and the company and the family and my employees. Uh, where working for corporate America, I never felt that uh, I never thought I had a, um, ever had control of it. Um, it yeah, it's just you got to stay motivated, and you just got to stay focused. And when times get tough, and it's easy for people to say, "You know what? I, I want to give up." But if you can't get through the tough times, you're never going to be able to get to where you want to get to. And those tough times will always come up. You can go two years of just clear sailings and then you might go through two years of just you know having to bust your butt again and work 12 to 16 hours for whatever how many weeks in a row and it's just part of it and as a business owner you just have to accept uh, you know the business climate for what it is the changing business climate and you have to be able to adjust and adapt to everything that's going on it's the only way to stay relevant it's the only way to survive and I always tell people like you know you can't be dependent on any loans grants or anything else out there because you have to be able to sustain your business by yourself. You can't lean on other people for money for help. Um, we, we have experienced that with the uh, the PPP program. Uh, we uh, we got the letter today saying that uh, we weren't approved for it. And I was like, okay, you know, what I, it would have been a lot easier. You know, we would have been able to get all of our employees back to a, a full-time position. But even without this, all of my guys are working at least four out of five days. And right now, you know, we've been able to add more business to our company that more people are getting to that five-day mark. So we haven't really missed a beat. Um, and that's what I tell people. Just take care of the stuff that you got to take care of. Worry about yourself. You know, don't lean on loans for, for help. Because it's not going to be there. If you expect it to be there and it's not there, it's a bad day. Uh, save your money when you have it. Because there's plenty of rainy days like right now that's going to happen. And you got to have that cash flow in the back pocket to sustain it yourself. When we think about the essential skills for an entrepreneur, a lot of the things that I'm hearing you say are things like you have to be motivated and focused. You have to have determination and be independent. You mentioned even this idea of flexibility because things could change at any moment. 
Are there any other essential skills and maybe maybe even things that, that people as they are in their high school classes or even in their college classes that they could work on developing to build up that resilience as an entrepreneur? What, what else would you say? It's, uh, you know, I think some of it is just um, this trace that you're born with. Um, not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. You know, a lot of people have, think it's, it's fun to, to own the business, be the boss, call the shots. But at the end of the day, you know, are you willing to do the hard work uh, when it comes down to it? And the answer is, uh, and the answer is no. For a lot of people, it's, it's, it's no. And like, for us, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, never a, uh, it's never a question. You know, like yesterday, I had an employee that wasn't feeling well. So he stayed home. You know, uh, not everybody's going to jump in a, uh, a box truck and deliver $16,000 worth of food to restaurants. You know, I mean, I'm the owner. I did it. But not everybody has that mentality. Um, some people have it. Some people don't. You know, everybody thinks it's fun and games to, uh, to, be, to, to be the boss. But you got to be able to do everything that's entailed for uh, like your employees. So if your employees are doing it, like you have to be able to do that job. You know, if you need somebody to clean the toilet and that person's not there, guess what? You got to clean the toilet. You know, you're never above your pay grade to do something. Below you, you just have to do it. And not everybody has an mentality. That's a, that, that, that's a great skill set uh, to really explain is that, you know, this is not for everyone. It's not all fun and games and glory, especially as we're seeing right now in the current climate. You know, if you had a chance to, to go back and really have a conversation with yourself as the recent grad who was trying to figure out what the world after 9-11 looked like, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to yourself that you learned from a mistake or a series of mistakes that you made along the way? Uh, 9-11 was tough. Um, cause I knew when 9-11 happened and when I was graduating, I knew the finance degree wasn't really going to get me anywhere. You know, and my advice would be, if you're going to go to college, uh, choose a major that's going to be relevant regardless of what's going on. Um, don't just major in one thing. Like a lot of people want to go into business, but and I would say accounting's great because accounts always needed, no matter what happens. You know, uh, but don't take the easy way out. Don't just take marketing and you know, whatever else you feel is easy, your easiest path to get a degree because it, it doesn't work. Um, but it's not for me to decide what people want to do with their life. You know, that's still their pursuit. Uh, but it is important to you have backup plans. You know, what if? My degree it becomes irrelevant. You know what? What I do? You got to have a backup plan. I think double major is a great way to go. But even now, like trade schools um, are are fantastic because there's a shortage of it, and they can make really good money. And the upfront cost to uh, you know to learn to trade is much cheaper. And but again, it's just all depends on individuals on, on what they want to do. It's just understanding. Don't take the easy way out. Um, and I could say I don't know. Even with my double major. I felt like I took the easy way out because I knew that uh, I could go and you know, get a nice GPA, comprehend all this stuff. But looking back at it, I would have probably done something else besides besides finance. I probably should have done accounting or something else that I knew that uh, I probably would have done very well with. Um, but that would have held a lot more value down the road. Sure. Well, and that, and that is great advice. And uh, Cam, in addition to a business owner, you're also a father. You have two students at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, and they, of course, are going through the remote learning thing right now. So uh, how, how is that going? Has that been uh, a feasible thing in your household? 
I'm, I'm definitely not a teacher. I don't have the patience <laughs> for it. <laughs> it's uh, my, yeah, my my older daughter uh, who just turned 14. She's very self-sufficient, uh, very motivated. You know, whatever's in front of her, she gets it taken care of. Um, doesn't doesn't need much, you know. Doesn't need anybody behind her to get it done. But my five-year-old is definitely a challenge. Does not have the uh, focus like my uh, my 14-year-old. So it's a uh, it, it, it's a challenge. Um, sometimes he definitely knows how to push a button. Um, but you know, we, we, we figure it out. We set up, we set up, um, little incentives for him to get everything done. So once he gets X amount of stuff done, he can watch a show for 15 minutes. You know? But it, it's just learning how to manage your kids like you would with, uh, employees just to get the result that you want. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say is uh, the parent is now the new entrepreneur, the problem solver, and it seems like that's a yeah, that's yeah. a sentiment shared by many <laughs> many parents across the nation right now, for sure. Yeah, yeah but the good news is the uh, the technology side to it for the online learning has been has been uh, no, I think it's been, it's been great uh, for the short amount of time that we've had to make the adjustment, and it just keeps on going. You know, we we know the improvements will be made and hopefully it'll be uh, seamless if, uh, you know, if this is the norm for maybe the start of next year. Well, Cam, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today and to share your advice and your ideas. It sounds like you are busier than ever right now. So good luck in the ever-changing climate of COVID-19. And I wish you and uh, your business the best. Thank you very much. To learn more about Cam Sue and his work, or to order a fresh box of produce, go to pandafreshfoods.com. That concludes this podcast. Tune in next time for another episode from the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast.